Good morning, afternoon, and evening, and welcome to the 8311 Cast, your premier Midwestern based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Mike Ludwig, Kyle Mersch, and Wyatt Teeter as we talk about the MLB, tennis, and of course, our signature segments, Mike's Stupid Rules and Write That Down Predictions, here on episode 231. I have another pop quiz trivia question, trivia question of useless knowledge specifically. How many pitches have been called strikes that were thrown at less than or equal to 40 miles per hour across the plate this year? Any guesses? Is is this like called strike threes or just called strikes? Just called strike. I mean, so assume this happens in blowouts when position players are pitching, right? Yep. Uh... Five. I'm going to go 12. There is one player that does have five of these. Ryan McKenna of the Orioles. Also in the AL, we have Pablo Reyes with one of these. He is a Red Sox. And then there's one other individual who just yesterday threw a 39.3 mile per hour pitch called a strike for the Cubs. Tucker Barnhart. That brings us to a total of seven of those pitches that have happened so far this year. So seven, but three players. Seven, but three players. Exactly. Gotcha. I think I win for being closest. Yeah, sure. And not you win. Over. Sure. Cool. Does that mean yeah. you get my name said first in the intro? Absolutely. It does. You know how these things work. Of course, the, the, the astute listener would have already known that you won because they heard your name at the first of the list. But yeah. Is my name normally at the first to the list when Arian's gone? That's, I guess, what I don't know. Uh, in the intro, it's normally not. First. Oh, Usually okay. it's Kai. I don't, I've never listened. D- does it show that I almost never listen to the intro? I mean, that's fair. You probably would know that, though, because if I mess up the intro, it's usually because somebody's gone or I did the names in a different order. and That's not the order I'm used to saying them in. Uh, and then we get those bloopers that we don't post anywhere because they're explicit. Fair enough. Fair enough. But anyway, now that we have uh, learned about uh, who throws EFIS pitches and why, and I mean, hopefully we don't see any more of them because position players pitching is embarrassing in my opinion. So let's hope we don't see any more EFIS pitches this year. But now that we've uh, heard about that, let's talk about where we're at in Major League Baseball. So for those of you who listened to last week's episode, you know that it was the All-Star break last week. Um, we had the Home Run Derby Monday, All-Star Game Tuesday, no action Wednesday and Thursday, with the season resuming on Friday over the weekend. The Home Run Derby was won by Vlad Guerrero Jr., is that right? I'm pretty sure that's right. Yes, Vladdy. Yes, he took down... Um, yeah, he uh, he he ended up uh, taking the field. He won it. What is it? He second generation to win it. His dad also won the home run derby at one point. I can't remember exactly what year, but Dude, uh, early also won the home early two thousands, I think, like o two or something like that, somewhere in there. Okay, I'll look it up. You keep going. I'll I'll fact check you here. Yeah, please fact check me on that one. 
Um, so, I mean, to me, the home run derby gets worse and worse every year. I don't know about you guys, but to me, the home run derby keeps gets getting worse. I think we alluded to it on the episode. I couldn't remember if we actually talked about it or if it was uh, just pre or post episode. But first of all, how does that thing take so long? Right? Each hitter gets like three and a half minutes to hit home runs. And somehow the first eight, but somehow the first eight hitters take an hour and a half. I don't know how that's possible. So the first problem is it takes too long. The second problem is they've abandoned all semblance of the rules for when you can and can't throw the ball. Right Last year, the controversy was there were some pitchers who didn't wait for, you know, they have an umpire back there that's, you know, like, like wait, okay, point to go type thing. And there were some pitchers who were skirting the line or sort of straight up ignoring it, right? Um, which wouldn't be a big deal, except people bet a lot of money on the home run derby, apparently. Because that's a thing that people do. I don't know. Um, so that was a little bit of a controversy last year. So this year, instead of being like, hey, we're going to enforce this rule with something, they're just like, nah, the umpire is literally just going to pretty much point at the person like right away. So baseballs were just coming rapid fire. The TV couldn't track um, where the balls were going. Um, I couldn't keep track of what was going on. It was, to me, it was bad. To me, this home run, I don't, I don't love the home run derby to begin with. But personally, to me, this one was uh, especially bad. I don't know if either of you watched it and have thoughts on it, but. I did watch it. I did not find it very entertaining, or at least as entertaining as I used to, so. I, the, like, if home runs are going to be hit that fast, at least have a camera angle showing if it lands or not. Don't just tell me, oh, he got another home run by ticking up the number on the bottom of the screen. Um, I don't know. It kind of lost its appeal to me. Um, I used to always tune into the home run derby as a kid. I thought it was a fun event. Um, but yeah, now I just, it's kind of an afterthought. Pretty much all of All-Star Weekend, I don't really turn, tune into anymore. It's like uh, All-Star Games are going downhill. Yeah. I mean, I feel like in all sports. No, it's, right? it's, literally, it's literally not just limited to MLB. I mean, the NFL had to figure out a way what to, or how to do the pro bowl differently. Um, his players just weren't going or weren't interested. I think they've helped it a little bit. Some of it's still a little corny, cheesy. I don't know. Um, I definitely don't watch the NBA all-star game. I don't, I, I could go to the wreck and watch that. It's just, you got your big name players there. Uh, man, if Arian was here, he would, be having a fit right now um he does like the all-star game though he's a little bit of an anomaly there so he likes the art yeah i don't know there's there's people that it's kind of lost some audience members i don't know how they're gonna fix it though i don't have the solutions to that are these because they're getting worse or because we're getting older like i feel like the home run derby specifically was i was much more enamored with as a child than i am now is that due to the home run derby itself or is that just due to me? I mean, is it just not entertaining to me anymore? 
That's an interesting question. And I don't know. You see a lot of adult adults at the home run derby though, so it's not like But if you're going to the home run derby, you're going because you like it. True. If you're just a casual viewer tuning in on TV, you're only tuning in because you find it entertaining, I suppose. You don't necessarily have to like it. But Well, or I'd... because there's no other sports on. That's true. Or, or, I mean, just in general, there's nothing else to do. I mean, that's, that's why I was watching it. I wasn't watching it because I love it. I was watching it because, well, what else do I do? That's fair. I, I don't know. It's just interesting. And that seems to permeate. I mean, the Pro Bowl has gotten a lot of bad rap, probably longer than the Home Run Derby has, to be honest. But Oh, yes, for sure. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. That is a good question. But I guess, I mean, I don't know. To me, the MLB All-Star Game is still um, is still the best one, in my opinion. But I don't know. I guess it's also my favorite sport, so I'm probably biased in that uh, in that opinion since it's my favorite sport. So I don't know. Any other thoughts on the home run derby before we talk about the actual All Star game itself? I don't have any more thoughts. Uh, it was funny to see, and I actually saw one more thought. I I saw this on Twitter today. Mookie Betts did an interview. Um, and he was pretty candid and open about his experience. He said he got into the first round, his home, the the first round of his like his at bats, and he said pretty much three pitches in, he knew he wasn't gonna win, and that he this really wasn't his event. Um, he said it was fun while it lasted, but watching Vlad and Julio Rodriguez go off. Um, yeah, he said this. This isn't really for me. Yeah, Julio Rodriguez's first round there was impressive, though. He took out my guy Pete Alonso. You know, I always predict Pete Alonso wins the home run derby. He's my guy. True, but he plays for the Mets, so he's not a Twins guy. Well, no, but I have nothing against the Mets. What would the Mets have done that uh, would I would be upset about? Oh, I I didn't say so. anything bad about the Mets. I was just saying he doesn't play for your team. True, he does not play for my team, but I do like him in the home run derby. I'm always rooting for him in the home run derby. So that's it for the home run derby. The All Star Game itself, we've got we had the NL eking out a victory. I believe it was three two, right, in the All Star Game. Um, the National League hit a home run in the eighth inning. Um, the AL was up two one, and then the NL had a, yeah hit a two run homer in the eighth inning to take the all-star game. Um, first one in uh, a decade, like we said, the AL was going for their 10th straight win before the NL got this one. So first one in 10 years. Good job for the NL. Um, I didn't watch any of it. I play softball on Tuesdays, so I don't watch much um, that goes on on Tuesdays. But I heard it was a good game. So entertaining. I like low-scoring pitchers duels. I think I'm in the minority there. In fact, I know I'm in the minority there. But... Um, I I heard it was a good game, especially if you like pitcher duels. So, yeah. Did either you watch the game and have more thoughts than that? Yeah, I did. I don't have many thoughts on that because I no, didn't no watch the game. So, cool, fair enough. And uh, we are barreling towards the trade deadline now, a little under two weeks away, I think. So, um, yeah, we're a little under two weeks away. So we will see. Uh, 
We'll see how it goes, and we'll keep you filled in on all the trades that happen across Major League Baseball. Does Shohei Otani get traded, right? Biggest name that everyone has been talking about potentially on the trade block. Does he get traded? Yeah, we did talk a little bit about this while you were gone last week. But, I mean, I've been in the camp since the beginning of the year that, yes, he was going to get traded. And I think it's only um, extended or the likelihood's only increased with the two factors of, A, Mike Trout is hurt and is likely to be out until at least September. And the Angels have uh, really struggled of late. They've gone 2-8 and eight in their last 10. They're now 9 behind Texas. Um, they're in fourth place in the division, 9 behind Texas in the West. And they're also now 6 out of the wild card. Um, with uh, three teams, um, with, they'd have to catch four teams, excuse me to get back into it, being six games out. I, I mean, I say yes. I've said yes on the start. I don't know how much he's worth, though. Like, you hear a name like Otani, and you, right? He's one of, if not the best players in the game right now. And you feel like he's worth a lot. But remember, the team that's trading for him is really only trading for two months of it, right? He's not under contract next year. He can go wherever he wants next year. So unless the team that trades him knows they're going to sign him, he's not worth that much in trade, right? So it's sort of a catch 22 there is sure. You want to trade him probably if you're the angels, but he's not worth that much in trade. So I don't know. Those are my pros and cons. I don't know what you guys think. No, that's an, that's an interesting dilemma that I didn't think of. I was like, surely he's going to get a similar haul to what Juan Soto got because Juan Soto was in the similar scenario of, well, he, He's going to be a free agent. Do you think he's going to get moved? I mean, you got to get something from him, right? That's that's my takeaway. Do you know if he's uh, eligible for a qualifying offer? Mm. Normally, I would turn to Jeff Passan for this, uh, but Google is going to have to suffice. No, I don't mean. I do mean QO Google. Um, I'm I'm trying to see here. We'll look this up and get back to you. You don't need to. We don't need to sit here and listen. Yeah. Um, to us, Google search about Tony, but I don't know. But I, you got to get something for him. Is my thing. Like Washington got something for Juan Soto. Soto. But didn't he have a year and a half on his deal? I thought he was going to be a free agent, but. I forget. So that's the closest thing that we have to a resemblance of what is happening here. But I don't know. It's uncharted territory for sure. So we'll see what happens. But there you have it. Free agency deadline fast approaching and we'll see what happens there. Oh, in other news, and we're just going to hit on this real quick. NFL uh, franchise tag extension deadline closed on the 17th today, uh, July 17th, a couple of big names, notably that did not reach uh, contract extensions with their teams, Saquon Barkley, as well for the New York giants. And then Josh Jacobs for the Las Vegas Raiders, some big news in the NFL. Both of those players are potentially expected to hold out of training camp. So we'll see what that means for respective players. Saquon Barkley was very adamant that he was, potentially a hold out of the season candidate 
uh, if a long-term deal was not reached with that team. So we'll see what happens there. Last running back to do that, Le'Veon Bell kind of career fell off a cliff after that happened. Now Le'Veon Bell was older at the time than Saquon Barkley is now, but in my opinion, I think Saquon probably should have taken the money while he's young because he does already have some injury history. So we'll see how that goes. But there you have it. There's some late-breaking NFL news. If if, if I'm a running back, I want as much front-loaded money as I can in any of these deals with how running backs are getting cut left and right. Getting cut left and right. Right? Right now, Dalvin Cook and Zeke are both still looking for teams, too. Right? So you need to front load that money if you're running back. Go get it while you can. Dalvin Cook has a suitor, but he doesn't want to take the money they're offering. Sure. So, so he's unsigned, right? Yep. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. So big uh, and interesting things to pay attention to as NFL training camp is one week away from today. So, all NFL training camps will start. Hard, hard Knocks is following the Jets this year. Um, following the most controversial quarterback in the league right now. I mean, so, Yeah, that was pretty obvious, right? That they yeah. do that with Aaron yep. Rodgers. So. Of course. Follow Aaron Rodgers around. Follow his new team. His transition is Brett Favre pathway. Um, yeah, should be interesting. From one highly contested grass surface to another very lusciously and well-maintained grass surface of the all England club Wimbledon. Yes. The historic grand slam tennis tournament uh, came to completion this past weekend on Sunday morning as the men's grand slam final brought to the, the head to head matchup that everyone was hoping for on the men's side. Number one seed in the tournament versus number two for the overall number one world ranking for the men. Carlos Alcaraz, uh, the number one seed in Wimbledon uh, versus Novak Djokovic, meeting for the third time um, in their career. They're split one and one um, in those meetings. Novak Djokovic was seeking his fifth Wimbledon title in a row, eighth overall Wimbledon title. Uh he was trying to tie Federer in a bid for the most all time. Uh, Alcaraz seeking his first Wimbledon title and second Grand Slam title overall. Uh, also, the first person to um, vie and beat Novak Djokovic or beat any other name, not na- basically be the first winner since 2002, not named Rafa Nadal. Andy Murray, Novak Djokovic, or Roger Federer. Those four players were had a reign of dominance for 20 years. Um, last to beat or to win Wimbledon, not named those players, was Leighton Hewitt in 2002. It was also featured the third largest age gap in Wimbledon finals history as the challenger faces the champion. Um, and here we get into the breakdown. It was an absolutely fantastic. Uh, match. I had a lot of fun watching this on Sunday morning. Um, first set, Novak Djokovic looked like he was in total control. It early seemed like this was going to be his 24th 
all-time Grand Slam title, that it was going to happen, that the young gun was just overmatched by um, Novak Djokovic. Alcaraz looked very nervous and tense in this first set. Alcaraz played a beautiful, beautiful second set, matching Novak Djokovic hit for hit, uh, in which Alcaraz did win the second set 7-6, to six, which he broke Novak Djokovic in a tiebreaker, which is easier said than done. Whenever a set gets to six all and goes into a tiebreak, Novak Djokovic normally has the upper hand in those situations, especially at Wimbledon. Um, I believe in this tournament, in all tiebreaks, he was undefeated up until this match. Um, third set, Alcaraz finds his footing. Um, lots of really great shots, heavy, heavy forehands and backhands. And Novak was noticeably nursing a hamstring injury, which he ended up taking nearly an eight-minute medical timeout in between the fourth or third and fourth set. But that medical timeout gave him a, t- a chance to breathe, come back, and he came out swinging for a 6-3 fourth set win. He battled back, broke Alcaraz twice on serve, and tied the matchup two uh, sets apiece. So therefore... Everyone got their money's worth in the decisive fifth set. Um, and at 1-1, Alcaraz breaks Novak Djokovic's, ser- Djokovic's serve, which proved to be the difference in the match. He goes up 2-1, uh, and he just continuously made big serve, timely winners, uh, really, really good serve and volley game in the fifth set. Uh, his winners pushed his lead 3-1, 4-2, 5-3, and then eventually... 6-4, game, set, match. Alcaraz wins his second Grand Slam title overall. Uh, first one at Wimbledon um, as a 20-year-old. Everyone is talking about this. Is he the next great? You know, how I talked about there was a reign of dominance by four players recently. Nadal, Murray, Djokovic, and Federer. Is he the one that breaks that generational talent gap um, that many have talked about, but here are all the speculations. U.S. Open last year, uh, beating the all-time men's Grand Slam leader on decisively his favorite surface. Sure, a feat that should be respected, but let's pump the brakes a little bit on this. Two Grand Slam titles is a far cry from Novak's 23. Nadal's 22. Federer has 20. Hell, even Pete Sampras has 14, and that's a long way away from two. Um, He does have a lot of great aspects of multiple players' games. Uh, Federer's net game, Nadal's overall power forehand, and his quick feet and movement, Djokovic's durability, and overall his just mental fortitude in those situations, Uh, and Andy Murray... um, like his service game with Andy Murray. So that's why the media is all over it. But granted, he's 20. The Kings aren't there anymore, except Novak Djokovic. And there aren't as many challengers at this time as when they were coming up. So he could have an easier path, but health and longevity defines a tennis. Great. We'll see. He's 20 young and ambitious, but tennis greatness might have skipped a generation. We'll see if this challenger is the prince that's being promised or not. So there you have it. There is Wimbledon. It was an exciting tournament. Next up is the U.S. Open. 
Uh, and that is all of the Grand Slams for the year for tennis. Any thoughts on that, Mike? I was not able to watch most of the final, unfortunately, because I was driving Sunday morning. Um, I did catch the basically the last game is all I caught. And boy, that shot that uh, Elko has had in the last game um, coming up down the line um, to make that return against Djokovic, that was huge, right? If he doesn't make that shot... That's an, that's an Nadal return right there. Yeah. If he doesn't make that shot, I'm sure we're heading to a tiebreak. Mm-hmm. Right? There instead. So that was just that was just a crazy, incredible shot. That, that, I, I wish I could have been able to watch more because... Even the uh, even the ninety uh, year old baseball writer that I follow on Twitter from the Twin Cities was engrossed by this tennis final, so it must have been a great one. I wish I could have watched more of it. It it reminded me of some of the heavy slugfests between Nadal and Djokovic, Federer, Nadal, a lot of those five set great matches. Um, but yeah, it was it was a classic. So we'll see. I'm excited for the years to come. I thought it would just kind of be Novak's reign for the next year or two, um, fending off a few challengers, but we'll see if this kid's legit. We'll have to see. Who knows? Too early to tell for sure, but who knows? We will see. Um, Now that we've talked about baseball, football, and tennis, we will move on to our signature segments, starting with Mike's Stupid Rules. And we're going to talk about a strange collision scenario today at the start of Mike's Stupid Rules. You ready for this? I've never actually seen this in a game, but I saw it in a, in a theory book um, and figured I, would, um, figured I would bring it up here because I was very shocked when I read this. So the scenario is two fielders collide and fall unconscious. One fielder has the ball. The catch is not legal until a conscious player retrieves the ball from the unconscious player. Now, there's nothing specifically about this in the rule book. So Wyatt and I were were scouring the rule book there um, to figure out how this could be true. And essentially what we went with is the definition of a catch. So we're in the definition of terms section of the rule book. We'll talk about the first sentence here. A catch is the act of a fielder getting in secure possession in his hand or glove of a ball in flight and firmly holding it. So the best we can come up with here, and correct me if you've come up with something better recently, Wyatt, but the best uh, we can come up with here is that if you're unconscious, you cannot be in secure possession and firmly holding the ball if you're unconscious, even if it is in your hand or glove. Did you come up with anything better than that? I have not been able to come up with anything better than that. Yeah, I, right? There's obviously no, there's no reference in the rule book to unconscious. I checked that. Alert, I checked that. There's no, um, no reference to alert in the, uh, in the rule book either. Um, so I, yeah, there's no, uh, this is, maybe this is an approved ruling in an umpire's manual somewhere that I couldn't find. But anyway, I, I trust this book that I have because I have no reason not to trust it. Unfortunately, it doesn't give me a, uh, a rules reference for these. But yeah, that's what we're going with. You cannot catch a ball while unconscious. 
I like it. I wish we could have had something a little more concrete, but to me, like like we said, that reads as though that can't be a catch if you're not firmly grasping the ball. But yeah, I agree. It would be nice if your book had had a reference. Just yes, to... I'm. I I will. Yeah, I will give that feedback to my book publisher. You know, because it's my publisher. Any any other questions on that one before we move on to our next signature segment? I don't think so. Not for me. All right. Sounds good. We will move right along to our write that down predictions and our accountability session. So we will start um, getting things off the board. And it was not a great week for pretty much anybody. And you'll hear why. Um, Kyle, you predicted that Djokovic would win the French Open and Wimbledon, which as you all just heard, he did not win at Wimbledon. So you get a nah. 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 Oh, so close though. You said Alonzo, the F1 racer, not the uh, baseball player, would win at least one of the next three races. I don't know exactly how many races we've had since then, but I'm told it's at least three. And he hasn't won any of them. So you get a nah. 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 White, you predicted the Cubs would beat the Red Sox on July 15th, the game you were at, and they did 10-4 was the final, if I remember correctly, right? That is correct. They did win. There you go. So that, you get a ding-ding-ding-ding. Ding-ding-ding. But you're brought down by the fact that you predicted Purdy would get the SB for best breakthrough athlete in 2023. It went to Angela Reese from LSU instead. So, nah. Nah. Terrible pick. That, that I would was a pick bad Purdy, pick. but I'm biased. I also so. would have picked Purdy, and most of Twitter seemingly picked Purdy, too. So, I think the SPs are rigged. On I mean, that note... Yeah, are they? I don't know. They probably are, right? But do they really matter? Absolutely not. No, they, they really don't. That's true. Next coming off the board was Josh putting the Bruise would sweep the Cubs in a series that was some time ago that I probably missed. But anyway, Wyatt told me it didn't happen. So, nah. Nah, nah. Ariane last week predicted that the NL would win the All-Star game, which they did. So, ding, 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 ding. Ding, ding, ding. But I'll bring us down when I made my uh, yearly prediction that Pete Alonso would win the home run derby. As we talked about, he got knocked out by... Um, Julio Rodriguez in the first round, so I get a nah. Nah, nah. And then um, I also predicted the AL would win the All-Star game, contrary to Ariane, and I was looking good until that home run, but I get a nah. Nah, nah. That, that's it for our accountability session. Move right along to our predictions. And Ariane's not here, so he did... Message me as a prediction. He is still alive, Wyatt, even though you didn't ask. I didn't know if you were going to ask, if I need to wait for you to ask or what. So. It's a bit awkward when the first person leading off is not here. Right. It's like, what do I do? But no, because I'm, I'm glad to know he's still alive. Yes, he's celebrating his birthday being not at home. I don't know exactly where he is. Where is he? Anyone know where he is? I do not. I mean, he could be at home, I guess. Staycations are a thing. I suppose. Should I creep on him on Snap Maps and see if I can find him? Yeah, do it. Oh, can I search for somebody on Snap Maps? While you determine RN's location, I believe his prediction is that Paul Goldschmidt will get traded this year. Yes, that is his prediction. He he messaged it to me. I think this is probably likely. I have no idea. 
I would say it's like not so likely that uh, that it's a single. I'd probably give this a double. Is he on an expiring contract that would? He's make got a it... year and a half left. Uh, a little under a year and a half now, of course, because we're over halfway through this season. I mean, but... are the Cardinals going to be close next year? They like, need they, pitching. Well, yeah, they need a little more than just that, but that would be a good start. Um, I don't know. Yeah, to me, they need controllable starting pitching, so they're going to need to get some pitching prospects back. I think they probably do, just because he's having a good year. Yeah, he's like the highest value trade piece they have, so. Yeah. Yeah, I'm fine with a double. Sure. I would go with double. If he was an expiring contract, it might be a single, but we'll go with double for now. That works. What do you got, Mike? I'm uh, switching gears a little bit to Cyclone football season. We are under seven weeks away now um, from the Cyclone season over against you and I. Um, the Big 12 preseason poll did come out a few weeks ago. I know we didn't talk about it, but I want to bring it up now. Um, and I'm going to say that the Cyclones beat their Big 12 preseason projection, which was 10th in the standings. Now remember, this is 10th in the 14-team Big 12, not the 10-team Big 12. So 10th is not last. I know we're used to being predicted 10th being last. We've had that a lot. But. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> That's terrible. But like, I, I don't know. I feel like we, they could get better than 10th. But we're obviously biased. I hope they do. But I agree. Man, I don't know. The quarterback I mean, situation to, right? has been so cloak and daggered. I don't know. Uh, d- d- double, maybe. Sure. I'll take a double. That's fine. Yeah. Let's do a double on that guy. All right, sure. double it is. So that's basically saying they'll finish ninth or better. Yep. Yeah. Tenth is a fail. Yep. They they might. <laughs> Double it is. Do you have anything from Josh this week? Is he still alive? He is still alive, um, but he said he did not have a prediction this week. He will take the strikeout. Speaking of strikeouts, I'm going to predict that Tucker Barnhart, uh, Chicago Cubs catcher, I think, backup catcher, uh, will maintain the slowest called strike in the NL at the end of the 2023 MLB season. That currently sits at 39. Three miles per hour. How uh, how close to that were the other ones that were under forty that you mentioned in the? Uh, uh, neither he's the only person in the NL with a pitch that is oh uh, this is just the strike. NL so yeah, just say. the NL just the NL the pitch that's less than forty. Is, is miles there anybody per in hour. the NL who's close? Let me extend my search parameters so I can find out for you. There is nobody at 41 miles per hour. Let's look at 45 or less. Uh, yes, Alan Treo at 43.3 miles per hour. That's a fair ways off. Who does he play for? I have no idea. He plays for the Rockies. Okay, they're bad. They could and play in a ballpark where a lot of runs are scored. He could pitch again. I'll give you a double for this just because it's out there. Kyle? Sure. 
So I'll, I'll take it. I was, I was listening and soaking it all in. <laughs> all right, double it is. What do you got, uh, Ariane? Wow. wow. Kyle. I'm, used to, I'm still uh, used to Ariane being last. What can I say? So I feel like last place brings a unique opportunity just to to throw a lot of predictions at the board hopefully something sticks uh so here we have it novak djokovic will win the u.s open is my first prediction are there odds on that it's a good question uh, are there odds on that u.s open odds says he is a slim favorite when was this plus posted? 150 i'm seeing plus 137 I see it's, plus two. Oh, I see plus one ten. I see plus one twenty. So he's somewhere in the plus one fifty to plus one ten range. Yeah, that seems like single territory, right? That's right around a hundred, which is the plus minus uh, changeover. So that seems like a single to me. Yeah, I I agree. Do you object then, to that? Uh... No. Okay. And then, Baltimore Orioles will win the AL East. According to fan graphs, because as we talked about last week, 538 is like done with sports things now for some reason. Um, they're still, they, despite the Orioles now. Wait, aren't they a part of the New York Times and the New York Times got rid of their sports division? I think we decided they're owned by ESPN. No. Yeah, they got, yeah. They're, oh, they're never ESPN mind. and they also got rid of their sports yes. division, basically. <laughs> for being the worldwide leader in sports, that's a little. Quite the bold, bold move there. What a surprise. Disney's ruining things. Yeah, I think good. we said that last week. We too, did. Though. We did. Good job, Disney. We are not Disney fans. No, we are not. Um, but anyway, Fangraphs is not high on the Orioles, despite them being only a game back and actually ahead of the Rays now in the loss column. Uh, Fangraphs only gives them an 18.2% chance to win their division. Now it gives them an 84% chance to make the playoffs, but only an 18.2% chance to win the division. So it's double or triple, depending on how much you want to lean into what I think. Um, or I would say double. I'm, I'm higher on the Rays than I would be on the Orioles. Well, if you're higher on the Rays than the Orioles, wouldn't that lean it more towards triple? I was just going to say, oh, what? wait, yeah, I'm backwards. Yeah, no, it's triple. Triple. I don't think the Orioles will be first. So you're saying triple? I am. Uh, it all depends on what the Orioles do on the deadline. Do they sell like they did last year when they were in a slightly worse position? Or do they buy this year? That's they need fair. pitching. I'll go with a triple. We'll be nice to you, Kyle. Yay. With a strikeout, a single, two doubles or three doubles, excuse me, and a triple. That concludes our Write That Down prediction segment, which means we're at the end of the episode. Thank you so much for dropping by this week's episode of the 8311 cast, episode 231. From now until next week's episode, be sure to check in with our social media pages at 8311cast on both Instagram and Twitter. Signing off for the 8311 cast, we have your hosts, Kyle Mersh, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter. We'll talk to you all again next week. Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones.